So you might know that we are in a series called Chapter um, Acts. What is our series called, actually? I'm testing you. <laughs> chapter 29. I know, I'm just testing you guys. Come on now. We're, we're preaching through the book of Acts, essentially. And you might know that the actual book of Acts only has 28 chapters. And you might have heard us say over and over and over again that we are the 29th chapter living now. Okay? So when, when, the new, when, the, when the new church, the, the, the church was born, the Holy Spirit came and then they were able to, in fact, the book, the book of Acts is called, also called the, the Acts of the Apostles, but it should more accurately be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because God was moving through the Holy Spirit and doing ministry across the world, actually. Therefore, you and I can be in the 29th chapter today because God still dwells in us and is still working through us to do His will here on earth. So, with that being said, I just want to give you guys some feedback. So we had just come back from a, a mission trip. Um, we went to Mozambique, and it was phenomenal. It was amazing. Um, we just, just we, the first week, we, or the first few days, we did a holiday club at the South African school where our missionary, Lauren, works at. Her and her husband, Luis, are working there, and that's one of the areas they do ministry at, as well as the Reformed Church in Mozambique. But we did this holiday club, and if you didn't know, a holiday club, it's for kids, I'm not a kids minister. I do youth ministry or some young adults ministry and I've recently started liking you guys. <laughs> so now, holiday club for me is simply an oversight role normally. Whenever I'm involved, I'm like, I'm like the postman just running around looking silly or I'm leading leaders. But now, I'm literally sitting in the dirt with not the older crew, that I'm comfortable with. Debbie says, Jacques, you're taking the littlies. Debbie's over here. Everybody, please. There she's over there. She put me in this very uncomfortable position. I'm literally sitting in the dirt with kids around me. I don't even know how old they are. They, they, this high. How old is that? I don't know. So now I must have an intellectual conversation with these kids about Jesus, but I don't know how to do this. So thank goodness, we, the team, every morning, we took some time interceding for these young people, but also we prayed for the leadership. So I'm hoping that someone at some point prayed for me, not knowing the terror. I think they did. because So, so we, one of the stories I did was Daniel and the lion's den. So I get this group of littlies like this, they, and they don't say clever things. And I'm like, oh, how am I going to get this message? And they listen, they're not listening and watching them during the, the story. They're pulling each other's hair, and they're sliding down the slide, but they should, should be here. Just like, no, man, Lord... How this, this isn't even a thing. Can you do ministry to these guys? You can, obviously. So now these guys are sitting there and like, I don't know what to do. And then the Lord gives me like this creative idea. And I said, okay, guys, I start whispering. They're like, ooh. I said, guys, you just heard about Daniel and the lion's den. Be very quiet. Check over there. They go, what's there? I said, exactly. Now I got you. You know what I mean? I said, I say, Get your binoculars. They go, where, where? I'm like, obviously, kids. Obviously not real binoculars. Come on, kids. C clever up. <laughs> Use your imagination. So now they get their binoculars and they're looking. I'm like, yes, yes. Shock, we see the lion. I said, how are you feeling? They go, oh, he's scared. I'm like, exactly. Daniel was also scared and the lion's name. What did he do? And they said, he prayed. And I said, yes, exactly. The Lord has just spoken. Drop the mic, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're clapping for Jesus because that wasn't me. So then on the last day, we get to preach the actual gospel, tell them about Jesus and how they become children of God. 
Now there's a big group, a big group of very little. Now they come forward. I'm like, how am I going to tell them about Jesus and the cross? There's like a, it's a story this. Jesus was crucified. Now I must help them understand that they, mankind, all humanity once was in great fellowship with God in the beginning of time. Then they broke that relationship through sin. And then Jesus through the incarnation came back. How do I say that? So then the Lord shows me Gino. Let me tell you, let me tell you about Gino. Gino is my favorite. Out of the whole Mozambique, Gino is my favorite. He's a little, he's about this, I don't know how old he is. So Gino doesn't do the things we do, do during holiday club. I'm like, Gino, come sit here. Gino says no. I'm like, bro, you don't say no to me. I'm thinking in my heart. I'm not saying this to Gino. I'm like, why not? Now I'm sliding. Oh, okay. Okay, Gino. So then again, obviously through prayer, the Lord gave, gives me this inspiration. So I'm like, Gino, bro, you are literally the best listener here. And he goes, mm, I know. <laughs> so I said, come sit here. He goes, yeah, sure. And he watches over and he sits there. So then I watch the other leaders. They're like battling with this. I'm like, guys, check this. Gino is the best listener in the world. He goes, mm, I am. And then he starts listening to them. At the end of this thing, I don't know how to lead this group of people to Jesus. So I say, Gino, come here. So Gino's fast. Like, guys, when God made us, we were like this. Gino and I are no, hugging. We're besties. Gino and I. Here's Gino. Give him a kiss on the head. He's the best. I say, but when, in the beginning, when man, when, when we sinned, when we were naughty, this is what happened. Then I say, Gino, you go stand over there. We're not friends anymore. And then I said, but then Jesus came. And this is what happened. Gino comes. He comes running into my arms and I pick him up. I said, that is what God did. When you receive Jesus, he, he's friends with us now. And they're like, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm like, come on, this is mission. <laughs> and I thought that was the end of great mission. And then the weekend came, but I'll tell you about that in a bit. The reason I tell you this story is because we were on mission. We're still on mission today, Acts 29. Now, when you read through the book of Acts, you see the disciples and the apostles going on mission trips all over the place. Acts chapter 16, which is where I'm going to be preaching from today, is literally the story of a group of people going to a space they don't know, they don't know the culture, but then preaching the message of Jesus to someone they don't actually, might not even know how to communicate effectively to. So I'm going to, I'm going to specifically spend time, Acts chapter 16, from verse 16 right to the end, but I want to just give you some, some catch up as to what's happening in the previous few verses. So Acts chapter 15. Rich Erasmus, one of the pastors here, preached about Acts chapter 15 last week. At the end of Acts chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas have this disagreement. They're like, guys, um, Paul says, I want John Mark. No, no, Barnabas says, I want John Mark to come with us on mission. Paul says, no, he dropped us. He's not coming. So then eventually he chooses Silas to come with him. Then in chapter 16, the beginning of Acts chapter 16, he says, okay, there's this man, young man named Timothy. Now, I want Timothy to be part of my team, but Timothy was half Jew. His mom was a, a Jewish lady, and his dad was Greek. So now, if you listen to Rich's message last week, the whole, pretty much massive part of chapter 15 is Paul going, guys, someone has told you you can receive salvation through circumcision. I'm here to tell you that's not the gospel. You cannot earn your salvation by doing things in the flesh. So this was such a burden for him that he traveled many kilometers to go speak to the elders and the leaders to correct this false doctrine. He says we are saved by grace, grace through faith in Jesus. That's how salvation comes. Jesus alone. Powerful message. So now he says circumcision, guys, is not a thing. Then chapter 16, he says, Timothy, you're gonna join the crew. By the way, you're getting circumcised. 
So, so now it seems like a, like a contradiction. But the very next verse he says, this is so that the Jews can receive the message of the gospel. This is powerful stuff. He's saying, I know, Timothy, you cannot earn your salvation. When you do this, this is not so you can get saved here on earth. This is purely to reach those who are far from Christ. Sometimes we need to do things that are painful for us to reach those who are far from Christ. Bottom line. Now, the one question I have is, I'm not, Dr. Asher's in the house, I'm not gonna ask you to explain to us how this whole process <laughs> works. The other question I had was, how do the Jews know? <laughs> how do they know that someone's been sick? I don't know. Anyway. That's the first few verses of Acts chapter 16. So now Timothy, Paul, and Silas, they're going and they're preaching gospel powerful stuff. And then a, a, like a critical thing, a, a fundamental of Christian faith keeps coming up through the story, okay? So, so Paul and the team, they're going all over the place and then God starts closing doors. They try to go to Asia. Not, not, not Asia, Asia we, we know, you heard John speak a few weeks ago that it's actually modern day Turkey. So they're trying to go to Turkey. The Holy Spirit says, no. Then they try to go to Bithynia and the Holy Spirit says, no. So now Paul's like, I'm guessing, there's, no, there's a verse for this, but guess, Paul is saying, Lord, I want to go on mission. You literally told us to go to the ends of the earth. You scattered us by having us experience persecution. Now I'm going, but what's the plan? Because you keep closing all the doors. You keep saying, no. Then he has this vision, he gets a dream or vision where this man shouting, saying, hey, come to Macedonia, we need your help here. Macedonia meaning um, modern day Greece or Northern Greece. So he goes to Northern Greece. And there, listen to verse 13. So this is, this is the fundamental I'm talking about. Verse, th- verse 13, on the Sabbath day, it's not gonna be on the screen by the way, you might wanna find it in your Bible, verse 13. On the Sabbath day, we went, outside, uh, we went outside to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We expected to find a place of prayer. This is a fundamental. This is a fundamental in our Christian faith. I think if it wasn't for the fact that our team in Mozambique had made this a fundamental, started seeking God, that was our foundation. We need to intercede. We cannot do ministry in our own strength. Paul does the same thing. He's going into missions all over the world. Now he's in Europe. The first thing he does is, I need to go find a place of prayer. Now that's powerful. Listen to 1 Samuel 12, verse 23. He says, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. This guy is saying, I consider not praying, sinning against the Lord. So he says prayer is a fundamental, it's critical. We can't allow our laziness or our lack of interest to prevent us from praying if this is a fundamental. In fact, this prophet says, I'm sinning against God by not doing that. See, because it's in prayer that we can discern the will of God. So I'm not even talking about intercession yet. I'm just talking about having a relationship with God. That's actually what this whole thing is about. The intercession is all great. Seeing God doing signs and wonders, those are all great. But the essence of the gospel is that we can speak and have relationship with God. Like when I speak to my wife, I hear her heart. Also, I discover how much my wife loves me when I come back from mission trip. Just to throw that out there, men, go on mission trip. 
Ladies, you also go on mission trip. All of you go on mission trip. <laughs> I felt like going all Oprah there, but I won't. I'm coming back. <laughs> Where was I going with this? Okay, for the mission. It's in prayer that we discover the heart of God. It's in prayer that we get to intercede on other people's behalf. I've heard countless stories of moms and dads and people just praying for their kids to receive Jesus who'd not been living a life of Christ or in Christ. Then Jesus shows up and answers their prayer. Intercession, you're praying on behalf of someone. It's in prayer that we could literally call heaven into our lives. So why are we not praying more? So that is a fundamental, that's, throughout this whole scripture, that's one of the fundamental passages we read of. It's in prayer that we get to encounter this. So there's this ancient Cherokee story about a granddad who's trying to teach his grandson about life. So he tells him the story. He says, so there's two wolves. There's a battle. He says, there's a battle inside of me. He says, there are two wolves fighting one another. One is evil and one is good. One is in darkness and the other one is in light. And the young boy keeps quiet for a moment and he thinks. And he asks his granddad, so which wolf is gonna win? And the granddad says, the one you feed. It's in prayer that we get to feed the good wolf. Scripture says our flesh and our spirit is in enmity with one another. Our flesh desires one thing. Paul, sing, Paul says the things I wanna do, I don't do. The things I do wanna do, I don't, what, I'm messing that up, can I fix that? Paul says, the things I don't want to do, I do. I don't want to live in the flesh, but yet I do. I don't want to eat the, the packet of Simba chips, but I do. I don't want to drive 200 in a 60 zone, but I'm in a hurry. I'm two minutes late for work. The things I don't want to do, I do. And he says, the things I do desire to do, the things of the Spirit, I don't do. It's in prayer that we gain victory over this battle. So let's pray. Start praying, not right now, but, but let's engage in prayer. So I want to get to the, the actual part I want to be preaching about. Now that you've got some background. That is for free, by the way. The next part you're paying for. <laughs> that was a joke, okay? Especially if you're watching online, if you're new to our church, you don't have to pay for the scripture. You can get one for free, actually. I'm going to read this for you right now. Okay, Acts chapter 16, verse 16. This is a powerful section. So I want to speak about rebuke. That's the next point coming up. Once, um, once we were going to the place of prayer, sorry, sorry again, once we were going to the place of prayer, we met a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Pause. So now this is an, <laughs> the fascinating passion of, uh, passion, yes, fascinating passion, but pa uh, portion of scripture. There's this girl, slave. She's someone's possession. She's owned by someone and she's being used to make money against her will. Not only is she someone's possession here physically, but she's also possessed by an unclean spirit. Now what's fascinating about this passage is as Paul and the team are going preaching the gospel, reaching all these people, this girl manifests and starts saying these words, which are pure truth. 
She says, these men are men of God. And they've come to tell you the way to salvation. Pure truth. Listen what happens next. Verse 18. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left. So we see this girl who was imprisoned physically. She was a slave. Being used to make her owners money. On top of that, we see this unclean spirit was possessing her as well. And then she would fortune tell, divination. The original word for divination is um, python. Python meaning snake. Go back, to the, go back to Genesis 1. What did the snake do? He came in deceived. So no spirit can predict the future. Only God can do that. So they function in darkness and deceive. That's, that's, what, that's what's happening here. But have you wondered, why did Paul get annoyed? Apart from the fact that it must have been really irritating. Like, oh, please don't, while, while, while any of us are preaching, please don't shout from the back row. This guy's a man of God. He comes to tell you the way. That'll be annoying. We will be casting out devils, I think. We won't really, unless you've got one. I don't know. But it's annoying. Apart from the fact that it's annoying, like literally in the flesh, there was something significant happening, happening here. So this is the devil now, proclaiming the truth. Now try and understand this. So they were preaching, Paul and Silas were preaching to both Romans and Jewish people. So for the Romans, this girl with the spirit of divination was not unusual. It's part of their customs, part of their ways. This was normal. In fact, they would go to this girl and get their fortunes told. So they knew who she was and how she functioned. So now as this girl proclaims the truth, it appears to the Romans that she is aligned with Paul and Silas. And if that's true, why then if I was a Roman, follow Paul and Silas in the gospel that they're preaching? So now they've lost the Romans. For the Jews, this was purely forbidden. Listen to this passage, 1 Samuel, no, I'm joking, Leviticus 19.31. So for the Jews, just be, fine, put it up. For the Jews, it was forbidden to go and see someone like this. Listen to this passage. Do not turn to mediums, which is what this girl was, or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. So this was strictly forbidden. So now, if Paul didn't address the situation, he's lost the Romans. If he had just left it, he had lost the Jews as well, because they know that this was purely forbidden. And if they aligned with this demon-possessed girl, and their God is saying, our God, the God of the universe is saying, it is forbidden to practice the stuff. He had lost the Jews as well. So now Paul goes and says, in the spirit, I'm recognizing what you're doing. And I rebuke you, come out of her. Sometimes in our life, we need to shift our battle. Remember that passage, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So why are we battling so much in the flesh? I'm gonna ask that question again. Why then are we battling so much in the flesh? And then we get tired. And then we get angry at God. 
been battling in the flesh. Now I'm tired, Lord. I've been trying so hard, 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 I've been, I've been trying so hard. And I feel like God's saying, why then are you battling in the flesh? Let me give you another example of this. Daniel, chapter 10, Daniel himself. He's busy seeking God for chains to be broken. He's busy seeking God for answers. He's busy seeking God for the nation. He then goes into a prayer and fasting for three weeks, 21 days, he doesn't eat any choice foods. At the end of the fast, an angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Daniel, from the first day you prayed, God heard your prayer, and I was sent to come and deliver, essentially. But the prince of Persia detained me. Who is the prince of Persia? A principality. Remember that that verse says, a battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, it just pause there. Principalities, so the prince of Persia was literally a prince, a palate over Persia. This angel comes and then he says, actually, you know, he stopped me and then detained me. Then Michael needed to come and free me so that I can come here today after 21 days. See, what we sometimes do, I think, is we say, Lord, please fix this. No, okay, I'm out, thank you. It must not be God's will. Daniel stopped eating for Quality foods, no steaks, no biltongs, no prawns, no ocean basket prawns. Those are the ones. Other prawns are fine. That's actually not considered, I'm joking, I was gonna say not considered a delicacy. He stops eating food that his flesh craves. He stops feeding the dark wolf, starts feeding the good wolf, his spirit, so that the breakthrough can come. And the chains were broken. God brings deliverance. Listen to this passage, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release, release from darkness for the prisoners. He came to set the captives free. There's a slave girl imprisoned under the control of the enemy. Jesus shows up and breaks the chain delivers her. Powerful. Listen to what happens next, Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read from verse 25. About midnight, let me pause there actually, before we read, the, leave it up, it's fine. About midnight, these guys start praising God. So, so what I mean by that is, they had now cast out this devil. The owners recognize they're not going to make any money now. The free ride is over, they need to work. Honest living from now on forward. Now they're angry. So angry, in fact, that they take these two men, Paul and Silas, take them to the officials. They then flog them and imprison them. They beat them with rods. They beat them until they were satisfied that they've learned their lesson. They didn't stop until they were satisfied. That's how it worked. And then imprisoned them on top of that. So now they're bloody, bleeding, swollen. They were unjustly handled. They were treated with Injustice, unfairly. All they did was they came in the name of Jesus and set a captive free. But I think sometimes when we experience injustice in our own lives, instead of doing what Paul and Silas did, we go the opposite. We get unjustly treated and then we moan. Then we complain as God, why did you allow this to happen? Paul and Silas, this is what they do, chapter 16 verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
and the other prisoners were listening to them. So you have these two guys, beaten, unjustly treated, worshiping the creator of the universe versus moaning about my situation. Doing the work of God, get beaten, now I'm in prison. Chained up and in stocks, their legs were also tied up. Here they are still in the midst of this darkness. They're literally in chains and they're worshiping Jesus. So we experience injustices, but are you worshiping Jesus in the midst of the darkness? These guys worship Jesus. Listen to what happens. I feel like something powerful happens when we do this. See, so they were worshiping and they were praying. Something happens when we do this here on earth. Let's see what happened physically to them. Suddenly, this is now they're praying. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that shook the foundations of the prison where they, where they were in. At once, the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chain, chains came loose. The, then the jail, let me pause there. Everyone's chains came loose. Now watch this, this is powerful. These guys were not guilty of anything actually, instead of doing God's work. The rest of the crew in prison were listening, listening to Paul and Silas worship God. Now you must understand, these guys know who Paul and Silas are because they're speaking to God. But they also know that they've been beaten because they can see blood pouring out of them. And now these guys, instead of moaning, are praying and worshiping. And the other prisoners listened to them. The other prisoners listened to them as they worshiped God. The prisoners around you in your life will listen to you when you start praising God, when you start praying to God in the midst of your darkness. Not only did they listen, but their doors go flying open. <laughs> These guys were guilty. God, God sets all the captives free. When, he's, when, he, when he goes about doing work, he does a good job. He literally says all these captives free. They were guilty. That's the pure message of the gospel. They don't deserve freedom, yet God gives them freedom. Now, this is the amazing part. Once all these doors fly open, the guard wakes up. Obviously, there's an earthquake. Seeing all the doors open, he becomes afraid. and He pulls his sword out and he says, I'm ending it now. I'm taking my life because I'm looking around my one job. It was an easy job. These guys are in prison. The doors are locked. Essentially, I'm just sitting here watching or sleeping in his case. He knows, according to Acts chapter 12, that when prisoners are set free, your bosses kill you. So he knows what's coming. And I'm guessing the way they killed you must have been torturous because he decided that actually doing it himself would be better than letting his bosses do it. Now watch this. This is powerful. The, this God is literally sitting in darkness, actual darkness. They were worshiping God at midnight. Cold, dark, wet, dirty circumstances. Worshiping God in actual, physical, literal darkness. The God wakes up, also in darkness, and He calls for the lights is what this verse says. He calls for the lights. So this man, the jailer, is in physical darkness and he reckon, recognizes in the flesh that he needs light to see. 
Then you see Paul and Silas were literally in chains, in darkness as well, literally in prison, but they were living in the light of Jesus. And because the light of Christ lives in them, the chains were broken. This man recognized in the flesh that he needed to see the light. His spirit then recognizes that he needs the light of Jesus. So then he says, Paul says, no, 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 don't kill yourself. We're all still here. I think those other jailers recognized they were guilty and they don't deserve to be set free. That's why they didn't run. Spirit of God was moving. Don't kill yourself. We're still here. This man then says, the jailer then says, how, what can I do? What can I do to be saved? He's literally called for the light physically. Now he's speaking to these prisoners saying, tell me about the light that you've got inside of you. I need this light and salvation. I need to be broken free from this prison of darkness that I'm living in. You are literally being treated unjustly in darkness, yet you're thriving, living in the light of Christ. How, what can I do to experience this? They then say to him, you need to receive Jesus. You have faith in Jesus. That's the bottom line. You get saved by grace through faith in Christ. Then they go and preach the gospel to him and his family and his whole family get saved as well. Isaiah 61, verse one. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is a prophecy about Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted and then to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now you might be the jailer today. You might be in physical, literal darkness in your life. Your circumstances is in such a state that you are experiencing darkness. You are calling for the lights to come. But there's a greater light. His name is Jesus. He wants to give you eternal freedom. He wants to take you from darkness into light. He wants to set you free completely. Maybe you're the jailer today. Maybe you are Paul and Silas. Maybe you're a believer. Those guys were believers. Maybe you've, your, your, life is, your life experience is of such that you feel you're in prison. You feel like there's chains around you. You've been frustrated about these chains. You've been even moaning about these chains, not knowing that God might have a purpose. Just to throw that out there. A powerful message waiting to come through your darkness and your captivity. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're saying, Jacques, I need to start praising God. I need to start praying more, maybe even for 21 days or 21 years, but I'm not gonna stop praying until the Prince of Persia no longer has any authority over my life. Maybe you are Paul and Silas, or maybe you are the slave girl. Maybe you know a slave girl. It's under the complete control of the enemy and you wanna intercede for them today. But here's what I'm saying, according to the words of the prophet Samuel. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against God by failing to pray with you today. I'm gonna pray for you today. If I don't pray with you today, I would be sinning against God. We're gonna be praying and asking God to break chains, to liberate you from darkness to light, but we're gonna be trusting God. I'm gonna wrap up this message going back to Mozambique. Started off the story then, but I feel like we need to end it there. Then we're gonna pray. Thank you, worship team.
So we had this holiday club. Then a, a small group of the team went on a, a, mission, a youth camp with teens. And um, so we, once again, we interceded. We trusted God. We were calling on God to do something significant. And, and every speaker that spoke, spoke a word that was so relevant, I would say even prophetic, to every single person that was there. Some of our leaders, Lauren came to us afterwards. She's like, Jacques, God literally handpicked each speaker because I know who's here in this crowd and each one of these speakers has spoken directly into their situation. Powerful stuff, God shows up. That was the Friday night. The Saturday morning, we have the same thing happen. God, God speaks, people encounters God, their lives get changed. On the Saturday night, we said, God, we we know that we need to grapple with our faith intellectually. And we think these guys have been doing that. But we know our faith cannot be purely intellectual. We're gonna trust you for a move to shake the prison, let's set the captives free. We don't know what to do, what you're gonna do, but we're asking you to move however you wanna move. It was a short message, very simple. We started praising God, we prayed, shared a short message. Jesus will save you. God wants to encounter you. Just, just by the way, a Buddhist got saved that weekend. Amazing. Chains got broken. God will save you. God wants to encounter you. So then we start worshiping. Guys, and then God showed up. There's no good theology to say that. God is here, okay? God dwells in you. God is always here. The best way to describe for me what we encountered was God's manifest presence. People encountered God and people spontaneously started confessing sins. One person came forward, like sobbing, sobbing, shaking, saying, Jacques, Jacques, I need you to pray with me. I've been involved in witchcraft. One of our leaders and I prayed with this girl, completely set free in that moment because the power of, power of God came down. So when we pray now, that's what I'm asking you to be expectant for, to encounter God, to trust Him to break every chain, to move you from darkness into light. And here's what I know is happening right now already. I know the Spirit of the Lord's been speaking to you. You know in your spirit you should be coming for prayer, but remember the wolves. Your flesh doesn't want to come. Your flesh is saying, no, that's going to be embarrassing. Oh, I'm afraid. What are people going to think? I'm encouraging you. Feed the good wolf. We're going to pray for you. So I want to ask you to come for prayer as we worship. So man, you can start, worship, you can start setting this up. If you're watching at home, um, we would love to pray with you as well. If you're watching online live now, please feel free to click on the link below. There's an attachment. Take us, you can send us an email. You can go to our website. We would love to connect with you. Please do not leave this moment without responding to the Holy Spirit. If God's been speaking to you in your spirit, do not let your dark wolf win. Your flesh does not desire the things of God. So please make contact with us. We would love to pray with you. For the rest of us, I'm gonna ask, ask you to stand. We're gonna worship and... Um, and then I'm gonna ask you to start coming forward, please. If you, if you need prayer, don't let fear, fear, there's a scripture in 1 Timothy 2 verse seven that says, we do not have a spirit of fear, but of love, strength, and a sound mind. So please do not allow fear to prevent you from encountering God in a certain way today. We're gonna to pray. Um, Jesus, we worship you. We exalt you, we glorify you. I know, Holy Spirit, you've been working already. You've been stirring in our hearts. You've been speaking to us. You've been highlighting the darkness and we wanna step out of the darkness into light. We know the chains that's keeping us bound. 
We know the stocks, Lord, but in Jesus' name today, we're gonna trust you for a breakthrough. We no longer wanna live in darkness. We wanna live in the light. And we choose to not feed the dark wolf today. We're gonna surrender completely to the Spirit. In Jesus' name, please come forward as quick as you can. We would love to pray with you. Don't be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen.